it is no less than the presence of the Lord. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46. We'll read a couple of verses today. At about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Ela, Ela, lama sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them stood there when they heard that. They said, This man calls for Elijah. Elias, which would be Elijah. Jesus, of course, is not calling for Elijah. He's actually quoting from a song that was found in David's 22nd Psalm. He said, My God, my God, which is Eloi, Eloi. But those who heard Jesus speak thought he was trying to say Elijah. Obviously, the Lord could not get all of the words out. Of course, the point here is that they are numb to the moment. They are Jewish people. They should have known, but they cannot hear the words of this dying Lamb of God. Verse 48. And straightway one of them ran, took a sponge, filled it with vinegar, put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elijah will come, say them. Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain, or in two from the top to the bottom. The earth did quake, the rocks broke apart. Verse 52. And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Here's our final verse. And those saints came out of the graves, graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Kind of sounds like last week, right? Well, we're going to pray that the Lord will help us this week. I want you to just close your eyes and bow your heads wherever you are if it's at your table or you're sitting down at the couch and I want you to pray with me right now Father we need your anointing and help I pray for all the people that hear the word today do something in homes and in lives I pray right now that your spirit which is limitless will move across this land our entire land and specifically today across every home and life that hears this word. And we ask these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, the name which is above every other name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When Matthew, Mark, and Luke sat down to write about the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Each one of those men began at his virgin birth. They wrote about Mary and Joseph, mangers and a guiding star. We are thankful for their collective insight and the way that the Spirit moved on these holy men of God as they wrote this infallible word. But when John wrote his gospel, 
he did not start at the physical birth of Jesus. Rather, John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He will skip the virgin birth and all the trappings of the manger, and he'll launch into the deity of Jesus Christ. He said, in the beginning was the Word, which means logos or thought. It was with God, and it was God. The logos became flesh. God became flesh. He dwelt among us. The revelation of this incarnate God is crucial to all who might espouse Christendom. You can't really connect with the sum of it all until you accept that God was manifested in the flesh. This is the mystery revealed in 1 Timothy 3.16. So when we read about the life and subsequent death of the Lord, we see the gravity and magnitude of the cross of Calvary. All things point to that moment in time. The book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 13, verse 8 says that the earth will worship the Lord and that Jesus was the lamb, and I quote, slain from the foundation of the world. That means that before the world was formed at its inception, the thought, the logos, was in the mind of God to redeem a fallen mankind at the cross. I hope you can hear this. God was thinking of Calvary in Genesis. He was in full posture, preparing for the moment of hope for the whole world. The cross and all that surround it now speaks to the ages. The Bible, from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, point toward that specific pivot of the whole world. The redemption of mankind was made through the precious blood of the Lamb. He was without spot or without blemish. All the blood of Jesus. What the blood of rams and oxen and countless sheep could not do, the blood of Jesus did once and for all. And I know that our Easter celebration was last week, and I know where we are today. But we cannot step away from the cross or his resurrection, and even now it bears great weight on these days that we are living in right now. So look at those final moments of the earthly life of Jesus Christ. His body has been anointed by the hands of a woman who is forgiven. He said, she anoints me unto my death. Moments later, he's eating in a rented room the final Passover dinner with his disciples, all 12 of them gather. They are unwittingly at the end of a three and a half year journey with Jesus. They have been given a front row seat all these years to the vast array of his miracles and wonders, his provisions, most of which are not even written in the scripture. But they have grown accustomed to his wonders. He speaks to them, but they cannot always hear him. They don't always understand what he is saying. They don't always dig deeper. There is a long line of breadcrumbs that Jesus has laid out for them that speaks of his coming death. They've grown accustomed to his wonders. He's speaking to them, but they cannot hear. They, they've grown accustomed to his ways, but, but he, they don't understand it. In this long line of breadcrumbs, speaking of his impending death, but they are oblivious to it. They are without concern, and who could blame them? 
Jesus had exercised so much power and authority over disease and demons alike. He confounds the religious order. Multitudes of people follow him, all of them clamoring to hear his lessons and parables. They seek him out in desert places and cities alike. The disciples could not grasp, possibly grasp, the urgency of the end. They are eating what we know as the Last Supper, which better stated was their last Passover dinner with the Lord. And then things quickly unravel. The Lord washes their feet upon their entry. It's unsettling to them. And then during dinner, he opens up about the reality that's set before them and his time. He will say things that are unseemly to them. They will forsake him. Peter, you will deny me. And then the worst of all, one of you will betray me. Thus the plans of Judas are now exposed for all to hear, provoking Judas to get up and leave the Passover dinner, his plate of food still standing, the torn bread soaked in broth, tells of his deeds and actions to come. The next moment finds them all in a familiar prayer room. They've journeyed there. They're along the ridgeline of a place where olive trees grow. It's the Garden of Gethsemane. They have been there many times before, but it's dark now. Think of it, it's dark. The night has fallen. The hour is important. It's dark. Darkness has its own message. The night has fallen. Sin runs rampant in the dark. Don't move too quickly now. The night has its own allure. It grips the minds of men. Darkness denotes a time marking the end of it all. And there they are. They've been there before, but this time was different than any other time before it. What was once brimming with possibility and wonder now hangs in the balance of a midnight prayer meeting with the Lord. And this would be the Lord's greatest battle. It was a crucial hour. He prays and great drops of blood mingled with sweat roll down his face and drip off of his chin. The weight of the world now rests heavy on his shoulders. I cannot emphasize this to you enough though I rarely speak of it Jesus grappled he wrestled with the coming torture and crucifixion the physical side of him is toiling with the spiritual side of him the flesh and the spirit are toiling he gets up he moves towards his faithful men but alas they are falling asleep he wakes them he pushes them toward prayer but moments later they drift off again he comes the second time he wants their help he would have let them be had he not wanted them to help him Jesus wanted the attention of his disciples for them to be awake and sober and there with him there was something about their prayers and their words that he coveted can you imagine the Lord needed them so he comes to them the second time and again they are asleep but this time he doesn't stir them he doesn't wake them it's the third time when he came that he woke them up. The band of triple guards with clanging swords and burning torches have approached. And Jesus says to his men, sleep on now. My time has come. It's a scene unfamiliar to the modern mind, mostly to the believer. Jesus wanted and needed the help and attention of his disciples. Now we lean on Jesus. We've all been taught that. We rely upon his power and authority. He is the healer. We sing about it and it is true. He is the deliverer. We talk about it and it is real. He is the almighty savior and redeemer. 
His part is profound and complete. We know his part. We sing about what he has done and what he can do. We proclaim all that he is as much as we know, I suppose. But we struggle with our part. They slept. And then, like a countdown, a clock set that cannot be changed, Jesus is betrayed. He's captured. He's interrogated with the scourge. With the scourge. The hours of torment drag on with no rest and a constant display of abuse. It's immoral at its best. They force him to carry his own instrument of death. He lumbers through the passageways of Jerusalem's cobblestone streets. The taunting crowds are amused. All of it encouraged by the Pharisees and and temple priests. Jesus will die that day. He will hang a few feet from the ground. He spoke into existence. And as I preached last week, the sky was dark for three afternoon hours. A mighty earthquake then came and split the rocks around them. And then finally, the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. It was without explanation. Those carnal men, even they knew they had made the biggest mistake of their life. So they hurried off after it was all done to make sure that the grave would be sealed. They spoke to Pilate about it. They got the authority. Roman guards with whatever weapons of war they might have garnished beside them. They are standing at attention. They are called keepers. The guards are called keepers because they would keep the security of the tomb. (laughs) But three days later... mm, Neither the rotating guards or the ceiling that was made around the perimeter. Not that sealed stone could hold Jesus down. They did their best to kill him and to keep him buried. Not just to kill him, but to keep him down. But in the morning, here's the Bible says, Behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers, those Roman guards, did shake and became as dead men. They couldn't even move. They were in shock and awe. They were stunned. And they laid down like dead men. Motionless, the signs of his deity happened as they crucified him. Darkness, the rocks splitting, massive stones crumbling apart before their eyes. The holy veil so thick and grand, that daunting dividing curtain that held true for thousands of years. Now tore from top to bottom. But one more thing happened. It wasn't when he died on the cross. It happened when he rose from the grave. Matthew adds it into the scripture alongside those other notable and awesome wonders. But the fourth thing did not happen at his crucifixion. It happened after his resurrection. That's why I'm preaching today. What happened today was built upon what happened last Sunday. What has to happen today is built upon what happens before this came. Let me read it to you again. Verse 52 of Matthew 27. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept 
arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and they went into the holy city and appeared unto many you see when Jesus arose so did the saints those who were asleep in God resting waiting to be called up finally they got up the saints those who had died waiting on his first coming or perhaps died during his earthly ministry they rose from their respective tombs they came out of the ground they came out of the graves and they went into Jerusalem and they appeared unto many another version says it this way they showed themselves alive they witnessed of the Lord's power I'll speak it again they spoke of the salvation of the Lord he rose from the grave that was his part but something else happened after he rose from the grave I stand here to preach to everybody something's about to happen with the saints finally get up I wonder what's going to happen when the saints finally get up out of their graves his resurrection <laughs> I wish you'd clap your hands where you are I feel the spirit moving in this house I feel him moving where you are let the ministering spirits of the holy God minister to all the people who hear it and receive it yes yes uh. His resurrection invoked an awakening of the saints. Graves, all those heavy stones were moved aside. They walked out of them. They began to present themselves to the people of the city. They could sleep no longer. What the disciples could not do one week prior was the priority of the dead saints one week later. I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you while you're watching this and hearing the word. It's time for the saints to wake up up to get up to look up to stand up to speak up to rise up I wonder what would happen when the Saints get up finally get up can you hear this now Jesus has done his part he has conquered death hell and the grave he has the keys to it all there's no debate about his power or about his authority he has done what he has done and there will never be another cross again there was only one cross there was only one moment of his affliction there was only one death there was only one burial and there was only one resurrection of Jesus Christ he's been there he's been at the cross he spent his time at the tomb he's laid down his life and he picked it up again the question is not about the work of the cross or about the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ the question is whether the saints will get up and show themselves alive <laughs> I feel this in the Holy Spirit I feel the Lord speaking to many many people you're watching this you're hearing this you're listening to this he Paul put it this way, hear this, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on what? The armor of light. Uh, can I do that again? There's never been a time like this time. We are on a countdown. We're on the last countdown clock. And the clock has been set. And God has chosen you to do the final work to reach the world. And to be the church and the saints that you are called to be. Think of this now. Some have surmised 
uh, somewhere in the middle of 1914 or 1915. It was a war that was supposed to end all wars. It was a horrible war. The carnage lay across the known world, but it did not end there. And that didn't push the pause button. That didn't stop the world. So the world found itself embroiled in another world war, the Second World War, which was decreed to settle all things with peace. But nothing shuttered the entire world like it's happening now. Not SARS, our mares, our HIV. Nothing has shut down the entire world the way we have seen it. And I hear the Spirit calling for the saints. The night is far spent and Jesus is sending out a message to you. Jesus is coming to wake us up. It's time, I hope you can understand this, it's time to be spiritual and cast off everything else. It's time to get up, get ourselves together and be the church that God has called us to be. Stop trying to go to a church and start being the church. I don't know if we could ever even say it again that we're going to church. That means we're going to ourselves. We're just going to a building. Stop trying to go to a church. You are the church. The saints are being called and our salvation is nearer than it's ever been than when you first believe so put on the armor of light Paul said it's time to reach and take on the mission he's waking us up he has commissioned us and called us I wonder what would happen if the saints ever woke up and that's why I'm preaching today this is not the first time many preachers have said it in fact George Whitfield preached this in 1739 can you imagine he said and I quote the Christian world is in a deep sleep. Nothing but a loud voice can waken them out of it. George Whitfield, 1739. Man, if he was talking like that hundreds of years ago, it's got to be true right now. We got to have a loud voice to proclaim the wonders, wonderful works of God. It's time to put aside personalities and preferences and say, I am the church. I am a saint of God and I'm getting up today. I'm getting up today. And I know, I know the reply because I've, I've been around a little too long, I guess. I know the reply. I, I, I know the inhibitions and the fear and the things that we say about ourselves. And so I, I understand. You're not saying it to me right now, but I've heard it many times. You might say, well, I don't know if I'm a saint. I, I'm not sure if I, if I qualify. Let me just say this. If you've ever been born again of the water and the spirit, like Jesus taught Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you qualify. You've ever been baptized in the name, which is above every other name. This is for you. You qualify. Maybe you've been cold and indifferent. Maybe you could confess that. Maybe you've not been committed and you know you haven't been committed. Maybe you've turned away. You lived half-hearted or maybe altogether removed. I say today the Spirit is calling for you to get up and wake up. You are a saint of the Most High God. All you've got to do is repent and say, God, forgive me. Ask God to forgive you and become what you already are. You are a blood-bought child of the most high God you have been buried up by life I know what's happening I, I see it in the spirit clear as day we all have been and we've got to shake those things off we've been buried up by ambitions and the cares of this life but now is the time to get up it's been, it's, it's been easy to make excuses it's been easy to shrug off commitment because people say, we got places to go. We have busy schedules. Well, how are your schedules working out for you now? You got no place to go. You got no place you can go. There's no place, if you go there, no one's supposed to be there anyway. 
Haven't we finally found out that all those pressing things are really not important at all? They're not important. We found out that they're not important. It's time for you to get up. I'll tell you what they are. I'll tell you what all that has been. It's been mounds of dirt, stones and rocks and graves all burying our passion, meant to bury our love for God, meant to bury our commitment to God. I say, I'm speaking to, speaking to all the saints. You are qualified. Get up. It's time to wake up. He rose from the grave. If he rose, I wonder what would happen if we got up. Ah, uh, Your purpose is greater than making another dollar. Your purpose is greater than getting a bigger and a better career. Your purpose is greater than going to another meeting. Your purpose is greater than going shopping or to the mall or another sports practice. Come on, the church has been consumed with the things of this world. They look benign. They look innocent. And they've stolen us. They've buried us. They've buried us beneath the dirt. You are the church. If the saints wake up, but there are other things, we've got to know if you get up, something's going to happen in our world and you become the powerful saint of God that you are meant to be of course there are other measures of these graves they're not always tangible and obvious to people maybe you've been hurt maybe you've been wounded in your spirit many have been maybe you've been embarrassed or mistreated I know how things happen and I know that no one is exempt from being hurt by people that are supposed to love them are supposed to care about them maybe you've been hurt We've all hurt people, and we've all been hurt. But I feel the spirit of reconciliation today reaching out to you. All that stuff is just dirt keeping you down. All those pains and hurts keeping you away from commitment and the cross of Calvary. Get up. Wake up. Now is the time to wake up. It's time to rise up and shake off those things from your heart and from your mind. So don't let your past bury your future. And don't let your personal failures bury your promise. Don't let the unsavory things of life keep you back from presenting yourself as a saint to the world you are powerful you are mighty you are you are able God has given that to you and you can say to me well pastor I, I, it's been a long time that's okay if it's been years it's okay today is a day what you got to do is just say right now Lord restore me I'm ready to be restored and you don't even have to make a big deal of it just lift up your heart your hand your voice whatever and just say I'm determined now is the time get up out of that grave you're the saint of the most high God the armor of light what is that I will tell you, it belongs to you. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's living a holy life unto the Lord. The mighty God in Christ and the gospel that you have, there's no equal in all the world. Hear what Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. Ye are the children of light, the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, we cannot sleep. We're not going to do as other people do. We're going to watch and we're going to be sober. That's a call to all the church right now today. The saints are going to get up. You are ready to get up. Now is the day to get out of the grave. I hope you understand this. Because it's not going to take the Lord months or years to call the church home. Obviously, everything we knew on January the 1st and even February the 1st. And some even March 1st of this year has been turned on its head. Everything we thought was true, real, constant, everything we, we thought would always be has been taken down. We're living in a day when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. It is being shaken. In fact, 
I'm reading from the Living Bible, Hebrews chapter 12. Here's what the word says. So see to it that you obey him who is speaking to you. That's the Lord. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, how terrible our danger if we refuse to listen to God who speaks to us from heaven. Verse 26, when he spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But next time, he says, next time, I will not only shake the earth, but shake the heavens too. By this he means that he will sift out everything without solid foundations so that only unshakable things will be left. Since we have a kingdom nothing can destroy, let us please God by serving him with thankful hearts and with holy fear and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. I see it and I hear it. There is revival coming. When the saints get up, there's a revival coming. Maybe we can have it. I hope we can have it. I'm praying that we can have the great revival in our day. But you've got to get up. You've got to march forward. You've got to put on your commitment and your consecration and say, it's time for me to rise from the grave of this nominal life, this trivial life. I'm going to be sold out. I'm going to be sold out to everything. I am bought with a price and I'm going to be sold out to the cause of Calvary. I'm preaching for it. Specifically for a revival, I'm preaching for the revival of the saints. Revival, to revive, it means by its own definition that something was alive, but it died. It was cast down, it laid down, it was cloaked or put away, somehow buried, but now it has come back to life. That is being revived. So I'm preaching about a revival. It's what David wrote about in Psalm 85. Lord, he said, you've been good to us. That's us. You've been good to us. You've given us a favorable land. That's us. That's America. You forgave us. That's us. You've covered us. We've drifted away a little bit. And this verse 4, he said, Turn us, O God of our salvation. Turn us. And I preach, turn us. The saints need to be turned around. If the world is going to hear the message, the end time message, the disciples have to wake up and we've got to turn around. Charles Spurgeon, he wrote about the psalm. I found his writing. It was a phenomenal thing. I won't, I won't labor in the whole part of his message. But he said that this psalm is about the church and that the church has been so blessed. But in the blessings, we have been dead or dying, he said, and I quote, faint or feeble. He said, only God can revive us. He has to give us time to refreshing if we're going to appeal to him. And then the psalm wrote, here's a verse 6. David said, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in me? I'm calling for the saints. God, we got to be revived again. Even those of you who think that you are not, you are. Even those who think that you're not qualified and it's been too long, hear me, you are. You've been on the fringes of worship, but I'm calling you back today. Your time of resurrection has come. Put on the armor of light and holiness and God the living and present yourself to the world. You have fallen up. You have fallen down on your consecration, but get up on your commitment. Don't wait for the building to open. Reconsecrate today. <laughs> when the Lord got up, it provoked the graves to open. 
What happens if we get up? What are we going to provoke? We're going to provoke a worldwide revival. We're going to provoke a massive infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you've known anything about the Lord, I say grab again. Hold on again. If you've allowed things to happen in your life, if you've allowed material things to occupy your time, and your ambitions have overwhelmed your walk with God, today is the day to make a change. Because you're a saint. Because you're a believer. Because you know him. Because you're called by his name. Hear him speak today. He's not speaking through the law of Moses. He's not speaking through the kings or through the judges. He's speaking through his own blood. It's time for the church to present itself to the world. The days, oh I hope you can hear this. Pause and hear this. The days of immature Christianity is fading fast. Shallow Christianity is over. Middle of the road commitment is crippling the message of salvation and it's over. Because if you're going to be saved, you're going to be the saint, you got to get up, you got to shake off all that stuff, you got to be resolute in your mind, you got to say, I'm coming out of that grave, I'm not going back, don't go back to the grave. You just got out of the grave, the stones have been rolled away. The dirt has been moved. The rocks have all been shifted. <laughs> so until we're ready to be heard and seen and known, then we're still going to hang on. But I don't want to hang on. I don't want to be concealed anymore. I know Jesus rose up. I'm praying that we'll rise up. Here's the end of the thought. Paul said to wake up and he ended this way. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. You got to wear the Lord every day. It's time to show yourself to the world and make not provision for the flesh. Don't make provision for the flesh. Don't pray. Oh, if I could just get back to where I used to be. No, you don't want to go back. You want to go to a new place. You don't want to get entangled again in all this world. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Because the, the lust of the flesh, he says, to fulfill the lust thereof. And I read one more time. Matthew 27, 52. And the graves are open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And they came out of the graves after his resurrection. And they went into the holy city and they appeared unto many. The graves. <laughs> they got up. They arose. They came out and they appeared. And they went to people and they testified of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm calling for you right now. Come back now. Come on, come on back. Come on back to this truth. You know it. It's in your heart. You've heard it. Maybe when you were a child, you knew it. Maybe at some point in your life, you are more committed than you are today. Come on back to full commitment. Come on back. It's time to get up. Wake up, everyone. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. The clock, the countdown has begun. Wake up. Now is the time. Wake up. Sell out everything to God. Put your whole heart, mind, soul, body, worship Him with everything. 
Everything hinges on that. You love the Lord with all of your heart, your soul, your body, your mind, everything. All that stuff that's been clogging up your life. It's been pushed away. You didn't even do it by yourself. The Lord did it. You didn't remove all that, all that debris and stones and rocks. God did that. He did it. God pushed aside all of your schedules. Your month, your pages on your calendar are blank. Now is the time before you rush back to ink in more activities, more nonsense, more things that won't matter in your life. Now is the time. Wake up, everybody. Wake up. Wake up, church. Wake up, saints. Incredibly enough, the Lord needs your attention, your soberness, your effort, your prayer, your power, your work, your hands, your words. He's calling for everybody today. Wake up, everybody. Wake up. We can't ill afford. We can ill afford. Ill afford to fall asleep now. Now is not the time. But now is high time to awake out of sleep and slumber. Now is the time. Push back. Push back all that stuff and say, I'm coming now. I'm going to present myself to this world. I've got something inside of me. Come on, everybody. I, I, I know we don't always feel confident in ourselves. Come on. He, he didn't say that you had to feel confident. He just said, just call on me. I'm near if you'll call on me. This word is not contingent upon how good or bad you feel like you've been. This word is about calling everybody back to the purpose of the kingdom because the kingdom of God is at hand. Put on the armor of light. I'm walking different today. I'm thinking different today. Now my life is going to be centered around presenting myself to the world. <laughs> this is the day of all days. God has done this. Come on, saints. Come on out of the grave. Come on out. Come on. Come on. Come on. Stop Stop resisting and saying, I don't know if I qualify. Come on. All you have to do is lift up. Wherever you are, lift up your voice to God and just say, Lord, help me. Help me. I need you. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Lord will do that for you right now today. He wants to fill you with this Holy Spirit right where you are. Lift up your hands and begin to worship God and entreat the Lord. Just say, I praise you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Come on. He's calling everybody. He's calling everybody. He's calling everybody. Now is the day. Today is the day. Now is the time. Come on, church. Come on, saints. Get up. Get up. Wake up. This is our day. This is our day. Come on, let's lift up our voices right now. Come on, let's lift up our hearts and our voices right now. I feel the Spirit moving in your place. I feel Him moving where you are, and I commit the Word of God. Let it be, Lord. Let it be, Lord. Let the Word sink deep into our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, give us a powerful revival, Lord. Forgive us of arrogancy and pride, Lord, and all the things we put before you, Lord. We want to be revived again. We need to be revived again, Lord. Let there be a resurrection of the saints today.